So hello again, this is Steve Taylor. Uh, thanks for taking the time to listen to my podcast. We call it the Do It For Yourself podcast, uh, where I take some time to speak with friends and other business owners about topics really that you know I find you know very interesting that, that come up a lot with, with my clients uh, to kind of you know discuss with them, get their point of view to hopefully anyone who's listening to this podcast, you know, if they're thinking about going out and doing something for themselves, or they are doing something for themselves, uh, hopefully that they, they find this valuable. So I'd like to take a second and introduce my, my guest for today, my, my very good friend. I'll give him the opportunity to introduce himself and talk a little bit about what his business is. Uh, Walter Gonzalez. Thanks a lot for joining us today, Walter. Pleasure to be here, Steve. So tell me, yeah, introduce yourself and tell us, tell us a little bit about your business. Uh, so my name is Walter Gonzalez, and I'm the founder and now president of Goja, uh, which has been in business now for 12 years. And we are the best and largest Amazon operator aggregator in the world. And, and I use that uh, to mean we're not just aggregating Amazon third-party sellers and businesses, but uh, we've been doing this for so long that uh, I think we're, you know, we're one of the best, if not the best, without sounding arrogant, um, operators out there. We're not just kind of kind of stacking businesses together. We, we really are integrating them and and uh, and growing them efficiently. That's great. That's great, Walter. And so, what I find really really going to be interesting about this conversation is, you know, you and I have known each other a long, long time. You know, we went to high school together. We went to you know we went to college, separate colleges, separate law schools, and we both practiced law for a while. But now here we are, neither one of us practicing law, right? If we sat down 20 years ago and I said, Walter, what is it that you want to, that you're going to do with your life? I promise you wouldn't have said that, right? Amazon was still a, a bookstore back then. So, you know, tell me a little bit, you know, I always have this thought to myself. I, I don't know that when I was going through school and when I was getting my education, what I was doing, that I really had this passion or this dream that I'm going to have my own business, run my own practice, wh whatever it might be. When you were when you were going through uh, you know through school, did you did you feel that you you know you had these these aspirations to go work for yourself or or did those come later or, or how was your process when you were, were getting that education? How did your you know entrepreneurial you know to be uh, as, you know yeah. ventures come to be? To be honest, uh, I was eight years old selling my Halloween candy. So so. When, when people ask, I want to become an entrepreneur, it's kind of interesting to me because I used to think that way. And then I realized that I was always an entrepreneur and, and I was fighting against that, that, that feeling. I always felt like I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And as I look back in my life, I, I start to see really interesting signs of that. So I, was, I used to sell my Halloween candy. Um, I was looking at recently my seventh grade yearbook. So I was, what, 12 years old. And, you know, how at the end of the semester, the, your friends would sign stuff and somebody wrote in my yearbook at 12 years old, good luck being an entrepreneur. You know, it's misspelled. So I don't think anybody at 12 knows how to spell entrepreneur, but I guess I was using that word. And, and I think it, I think in my family, my father had that feeling, he had that inclination of, of building and, and he ended up being an entrepreneur himself. So I grew up around it. So, so going to law school was something that I did to fuel the entrepreneurship versus because I thought I was going to be an attorney all my life. It was just one of those skill sets that I think complemented what I had been doing informally, you know, when one way or another all my life. So yeah, to, in short, yes, I always felt like I was going to have my own business. Okay. That's, that's great to know, you know, cause like one of the things that 
I'm going through now, my kids are a little older and all these parents and all these conversations I have with clients is about, you know, what college to go to, you know, what, you know, whether, you know, what the price of it is, whether the specialty that the education they're getting and, and to go through that kind of, a, you know, analysis, uh, it's, it's really a, you know, not, not often do they, do they stop and say, you know, well, my kid just wants to have his own business. So maybe he doesn't even need an education or, or you know, whatever, whatever it might be. So, so it's interesting, you know, because you say you went to law school that you felt it was going to fuel it. So why, why did you choose law school versus going to get like a master's in business, an MBA? Why, why did you think the legal route would fuel your, your aspirations? It, it, it's it's a re- it's a really interesting question because I don't think I so so when I was in um, about ninth grade I remember taking drama classes and I remember taking drama not because I wanted to be an actor but because I was shy and I remember thinking to myself someday I'm going to need to ha- be able to speak in public I'm going to be able to speak to people and and that's kind of been my mindset I've been kind of looking at skill sets that I thought I needed and I've been checking those off you know, throughout years. So I, I, I needed to, to, to develop certain skills. I would say, how could, how can I learn that? And, and I went off to learn it. So to answer your question about law school, I, I thought at law school round out an education. I studied finance in undergrad and I had been doing what I thought was a lot of business already, uh, you know, and again, and in minor ways from selling candy to exporting things, uh, exporting clothes to, to one country or another. So I, I felt like the legal side would complement it, but if I'm really honest with myself, I'm sure I did that because I thought my, I thought, I thought, I thought, you know, somewhere along the line, I thought I, I was told that lawyers, doctors and accountants make more money than architects, creative types and whatever. And I started to believe that. Um, I, I thought that it was the logic side of your brain that makes you successful. And it's a creative side of your brain that keeps you poor, but engaged. And yeah. and I remember making this really funny decision of, well, it's a logic that it's finance or math or, or, or business that's going to make me successful. Before we started the podcast, I mentioned to you that that I had seen in uh, this one show that really brought a lot of clarity to my thinking in hindsight, and that was this show called Abstract in Netflix. And if you haven't seen Abstract, it's a docu series, um, and it follows five or six or seven different artistic types. So a shoe designer, an architect, uh, a, um, a a designer for covers of New York, uh, New York, uh, The New Yorker. So very creative people, and it follows them through their creative process. And so this was about four years ago. I was watching this series. And I remember it really, really resonated with me. And I started to think, why? Why did this very creative series resonate with me so well? And it all came back to me. When I was young, I wanted to be an architect. I actually found myself to be a really creative person. At least that's the part that that made sense to me. And somewhere along the line in my life, people started to make me feel directly or indirectly that you had to be accountant, finance, math, whatever, to be successful in business. And I started to believe that. When you start your business, it is actually a very, very creative endeavor, right? Like you don't know what you're going to sell and you don't know how you're going to sell it. Or even if you know what you're going to sell, you don't know how you're going to get a customer. It's very, very creative. And as I look back, you know, when I saw that series and I listened to these artists talk about their creative process, I started to realize that that is actually what made me an entrepreneur. I would say, I don't know, I want to, I want to make a dollar. Or I want to sell this product, but I don't know how. And then I would start to think, Oh, that can help. And I can do this. And, and then what if I create this product or what if I do this, what I do this. And it was the legal finance accounting, whatever type of thinking that created scalability to that creativity. So, so before I used to say, well, no, I'm really a logical math person. And that's what made me, you know, have some successes 
And then I've heard people say, well, but I'm creative and I can't. And now I've come to understand that it is actually, you need to be quite creative to have your own business. And then you've got to have some logic that says, I've done this creatively and it worked. Now I'm going to do it many more times so that you don't create chaos in your process, right? So yeah. so I, th I think it was more about about having a mindset of creativity and, and then skill sets that came together. So it wasn't one or the other, right? Yeah, I love that, Walter, so much because I am married to an absolute <laughs> creative in the artistic I, sense, right? I know, I know. You know who I'm married to, I know, right? She's I know. the actress. Her, her mind works in so many different ways than me. And we've gone through the years having a lot of these different conversations, right? And she'll look to me to be the logic one as well. But many times, and I'll, and I'll come back with her, you know, no, I, I'm just as creative I'm not just as creative as you, but very creative also, but it's in a different way. Sure. Right? I'm not just sure. like this abstract, whether hers is to entertain or something really esoteric, we're able to really, really bring it back to, to where it applies and, and, yeah. and where you go with it. And it's interesting what you said, you know, about why you went to law school. Like what I found is when, when I stepped down, you know, stopped practicing law and thought more, you know, you know, more business you know, wise before I opened up my, my, my firm here, you know, I would speak with other people who were not trained legally like we were. And what was interesting is initially I felt like, you know, well, I'm, I'm very skeptical. I'm, I'm always thinking the worst, but I was able to think very strategically and try to anticipate their, their arguments and to really become very, very persuasive right, to get them where we need us to go. So as you say, you know, you need to be very, very creative, right, as, as, as well, and to persuade people to wherever you're going to go, wherever you're going to take, wherever you're going to take that direction. Now, you said you took the, the drama classes and, and different things to school, and, and then you went to the law school. I mean, as, as you sit back and, and as you see, you know, you've taken, started out in one business and you've, and you've been, you know, so successful in this other one, and really in, in your work of beginning and, and, and starting Goja, what, what would you say would be the, the skill sets, you know, the specific skill sets that maybe you learned in, in school, whether it's undergrad or law school, whether it was a class or whether it was just a teacher, whatever it might be, that you feel have kind of been the most helpful uh, for you in, in the seat that you sit in now? It, it's two things, uh, Steve. It's having the skill sets coupled with the mindset, coupled with the circumstances. So what do I mean by that? You're always developing skill sets, right? So from eight years old, I literally was selling something to somebody at some point, whether it was t-shirts, like I was always in that mentality. And so what it did is it, it made no hurt a lot less right? So if you've never sold anything, that first person that tells you no, God, it's really offensive, right? It really hurts. But once you've tried to sell something 50 times, like the person that tells you no 51 times is absolutely less painful than the joy you get of that one person that tells you yes. And you start to live for the yes, as opposed to the no, right? So, so the first one is like having this mindset of, a lot of things are going to go wrong. A lot of people are going to say no, but the ones that say yes are just so fun and, and so forth. 
the skill set is the second one, right? And I really used to think about what are the so so a yes mentality of like I can do this even though I don't necessarily how, and not being afraid that I might not figure it out in the first day, or not being afraid of what if somebody doesn't like my idea. So that that is really really a mindset. The skill set one, it's it's not something that happens in school. So so I'm glad you're not asking me about school because you know it is one of the places where you learn the skill sets. But if you think about it, if you study accounting, for example, like you don't take a creative writing or a, or an art class, right? So school, and in some schools, you know, I've, I've heard this done better, better than others, but, but for the most part, the business department teaches you business, the creative, the, the art department teaches you art, the engineering department sticks to engineering, but there isn't that thing of like, or at least I haven't seen it too much where it is, how do you blend business with creativity so that you open up your business mind to be creative? So it was, how did I pick up those skill sets? selling things, um, participating in all sorts of things. In, in my fraternity, we created a magazine and went out and we couldn't pay for the magazine. And so we said, well, how are we going to pay for this magazine? And we went out and said, well, we're going to go to all the businesses around the campus and we're going to say, if you, if you buy a page in this non-existent magazine, um, you know, we, we will do, you know, we'll, we'll take 50 pizzas from you if we give you a full page ad. And we were like, well, why would they give us pizzas? This magazine doesn't even exist. And then we went to the nearest Papa John's and said, hey, if we give you a full page ad in this magazine that doesn't even exist, would you give us 50 pizzas? I'm like, sure. Where we like, wow, they just said yes to 50 pizzas. Those are like that mindset of yes. Uh, don't say no to yourself, but rather say yes to yourself. Let somebody else say no, coupled with the, you, you do that enough times and you start to develop persuasive skills and so forth. And then the last one, when I talk about creating the right circumstances, I, you know, I, I see, uh, this is, I'll give you a very, very example of creating a circumstance. I, a, a, a person came to me the other day and said, I'd like to be an entrepreneur. You know, can we sit down a little bit? I, I work at a bank right now and I'm thinking about doing my own thing. And if you could just give me some advice. And he came and, and, and I, I observed that when he drove up, he drove up in a really nice BMW. And he, he must have been about 27 years old, 26 years old. And then as we, and that already was something that I observed. And when he, when we started talking, he mentioned to me, hey, I just purchased his first house. And that was the second thing to me, because after we started talking, I said, well, why don't you quit your job tomorrow? You've got this really interesting idea. Why don't you try? And, and as a, you could anticipate, his first answer was, well, I can't because I've got a BMW payment and a house payment, right? And so, so thinking about if you're going to open up your business, what are the circumstances that are going to give you the best chance of doing that and not being afraid to take a leap? And so I didn't really purchase the first home I lived in. I, I had purchased other homes that I did for flipping and, and, and for investing, but I didn't purchase my first home until I was 40 years old because every, every opportunity I had to take a risk, I took it in the business. And so rather than what I think people say, you know, I'm going to create a, st a stable environment before I start my business, my thinking was create the most ability to be unstable because you just don't know where your first dollar is going to come from when you start a business. And so if you kind of have this mindset that I'm going to figure it out and you've come, you know, you've put together a few skills that you think are going to get you there. And then you create, you know, you create the circumstance that allows you to succeed, but also gives you the flexibility to fail. Like, I think that's what breeds the, you know, that that's what allowed Goja to happen. Cause I could also spend a lot of time telling you about all the things I started that failed. Right. Right. So, yeah. So no, I, I love that. that. Yeah. And I love that idea for people, I think, that want to be entrepreneurs, they don't understand. And I would almost phrase it like, you know, build assets, don't build anchors. Sure. A home is an anchor. You sure. know, your kids in a private school are an anchor. These are these obligations that you've created that are bringing you away, you know, from what you want to accomplish. If that's your goal, if that's where you go, you know, that yeah. typical, that go linear, buy the nice car, have the, you know, the, the expensive kid, kids in private school. That really, that's not the best route if you're trying to start something out right from the start, right? That comes later, and that can come later almost in spades, you know, through that. There's, there's no, there's no, there's no right answer to that, right? There is no, 
there's no right answer. It's just about probabilities of, of things that are going to help you. Right. So I remember when I told my, you know, when we got married and I told my wife that I really didn't think we should buy a home. I really wanted to take that, those investments and, and pile them into the business. And that was a really, you know, interesting conversation because clearly she did not agree with that. Right. Um, and I had to kind of explain to her why, you know, this was, this was not, this was something that was necessary to give us the flexibility to succeed. And then, but the other circumstance we created, you know, was that she was still working. And so her insurance meant that I didn't have to go out and buy insurance for the business. So again, it was like piecing. So there wasn't this one thing we did. It was actually a lot of decisions that were like, well, where is this going to come from? Is it, where's this going to come from? And then there's a, there's a fourth one that I, that I have come to understand in hindsight. Um, I, I, a lot of people ask me, well, where did you get the money to do this? Whether there's enough money or not is actually a lot less important to what your credit is. And I don't mean the credit necessarily with your, with your credit card. You know, people that were trustworthy back in elementary school, high school, and college are still trustworthy. And what I have found as I, as I've started to, you know, I, I had this business, at different points, I went to different people that knew me, that friends and family money. That's the credit that I mean, right? And, and, and so, you know, when do you become trustworthy? When do you become the kind of person that somebody will take, you know, a gamble on you and, and lend you a dollar or not lend you a dollar? Doesn't happen the day you start a business. It, it is kind of like this thing that you're building, which is the circumstances, the, the skill set, the mindset, and the credit to be able to go to somebody and say, hey, I'd like, you know, I'd like to borrow a dollar to, to start the business, or I'd like to borrow a dollar to grow the business. They know you're going to pay them back no matter what happens, right? That, that's what, so, so when they ask me, when did Go just start? I can tell you when we filed the articles of a corporation with the Florida Department of State, but I can tell you that really all of those things happened so much before that, right? Yeah, I think that's a great point, Walter. And it's so important that so many people, you know, they'll say like they started a business and oh, I was self-made. And, and it, it's such a misnomer and misleading for people that are trying to do it. Yeah, maybe you started by yourself, but there are so many people out there helping you, everybody, your family, your friends, whether with time, money, whatever it is. And I always encourage people the first thing, like, listen, you have these ideas, reach out to people, reach out to friends who may be able to help you who have done it before, who might be a strategic relationship, I think that's, you know, that's vital that people understand that you're not alone in this and people will want to help you. Uh, I also- But you can't start building, you can't start building that credit when the day that you want to start the business, right? You, no, you've got to start no. building that along before. Years, and that's a real big thing that, you know, it's interesting, I've started two businesses, uh, you know, from scratch and the second one, when I started it, I basically lost my entire network of the first one. It saw me as a certain way. It didn't matter, right? So I kind of jumped over those people that I'd met that, those 10 years of building that business, the people I knew before. And to your point, those longer relationships, right? All our good friends from high school, other people that we have out there, and you go to them. And yeah, if you, if, if they, if you know, like, and trust them before, they're still those people. And, and you knew them when they had nothing, right? So even now they have maybe... The more success, you don't, you don't, uh, you don't have to worry or, or question. So, so I love that. I love that idea, and also the mindset. You know, I've talked about that before. How you mentioned that conversation you had with, with your, you know, with your wife, and that's the same conversation I have with my wife in this business. You know, I told her, you know, when I started this out and it was tougher than I thought, I lined up all our assets and I said, hey, listen, let me show you how we're going to spend down every single asset we have, and then when we're almost out of our last asset. I'm going to consider doing something else, you know? And she says, you know what? Sounds good to me. I'm in, right? And that mindset is, is, so, is so critical to that from the ones that are closest to you. 
So let me ask you this way, you know, looking back, you say you were the kid selling candy, right? That was my brother. My brother was that person. It wasn't necessarily me, right? But, but it came out. So when we talk about how you, you can build someone, the entrepreneurial spirit or, or build it out and whether it may or may not be even the education of the school they go to, looking now like back at your kid or, or maybe looking back at how your parents treated you, when we have young adults, young aspiring people, and they have this interest, I mean, what are some of the, the things you think we can do as parents, that parents turn into mentors to those kids who kind of encourage and teach them these lessons that we, we really learned the hard way, getting our teeth kicked in, hearing no a uh, hundred times. What do you think, you know, like if your kids, if you see it in one of your children, what, what would you do, you think, to, to help encourage it and cultivate that? Yeah, look, I'll be honest with you. Every two weeks, I feel like I've figured out, you know, being a parent. And then two weeks later, my kids are a different person and I'm refiguring it out. So um, I'm always hard pressed to give advice on parenting. But I, but I heard something the other day that was really interesting, Steve. It said, um, rather than giving your kids what your parents didn't give you, give, teach them the things you think your parents didn't teach you. Um, and so, so some of the things that my folks did teach me, um, you know, like, like, don't give up. The same thing that I think a lot of parents are trying to do, right? Like, when I think about the, 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 the one, if you were to really force me to pick one, one trait that I hire for or that I value or that I think, uh, you know, you know is, is the first trait you've got to have if you want to have your own business versus anything else, I'll tell you it's grit. And how you learn grit is, is just a million different ways. You can learn it by playing sports. You can learn it by, by, by so many just different ways. And so grit, grit is the one thing that my wife and I really talk about. How are we going to teach our kids grit? And, and there's always this feeling of, well, you know, if I can, if I can afford to give my, my kid this one thing, then they don't have to worry about it. And I realized in hindsight, it was a lot of, um, you know, whether you can afford it or not, maybe forcing kids to, to figure it out instead of solving it for them. So, so I think it's, it's, it's a little bit of that. Um, and, and then the, the other one is, if you hear no enough, you start to feel no. And if you hear yes enough, you start to feel like yes. And so, so I'm really, it's counterintuitive as a parent to tell your kids yes often, right? Because most of the time they're going to do something that's going to break something, break themselves or, you know, do some. And so I've, I've caught myself uh, really trying to say yes before I say no. And then I might go to the no, but if I go into a, if I go into an ask or if I go into an attitude with yes, which is if you go back, a minute ago when I was telling you one of those skill set is telling yourself yes. If you tell your kids yes, and then you give them the tools to why, why it can turn into a no, but, but just having a yes mentality, I think is a really valuable thing. And I'm trying to be better at that, frankly. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that's vital to encourage that, that fearlessness, as you say, that, that grit, that fighting through it, because it's nothing, nothing comes easy. <laughs> You know, yeah, through this, yeah. and it's not—it's not a matter of who says no, but it's a matter of pushing through, right? For for who, you know, to who yeah, to who yeah. says yes, and and to go through that. You know, I interviewed. I interviewed somebody today uh, of a brand that we bought. We bought a brand called Luna Bean. Uh, and the person I was talking to today, her name is Sheila. And she's an amazing entrepreneur. Um, and she said, you know, she said, look, the first three years were very difficult. And I was, I had two kids at that time, had a third, and I was pushing a baby stroller to UPS to drop off boxes. And, and I totally was just so tired. And it was just, was just, I couldn't keep it up. And I said, well, how much longer did you keep it up after you had that feeling? And she goes, three years. Right? Like, mm -hmm. so 
three years ago, she said, there's no way I can do this. And three years later, she was still doing it. And she had a really great result, had an amazing business and, and you know, really, really did very, very, very well, really an amazing uh, American story. But for three years, she was doing something that she said, I can't do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. I mean, that's, that, that's a great story. And, and, and that's, you know, interesting for so many people out there. Right. If you read the book, uh, Napoleon Hill, you know, Th Think and Grow Rich, they talk about this story about drilling for oil and stopping, you know, 20 yards before it, you know, and so many people that put so much time and effort into that, right? And then they maybe stop a little short or when do, when do you know enough, enough, enough is enough and really those trying, those trying parts. So, you know, like maybe for you and, and yours, you know, for as much as you, you'd want to say or not, I mean, I'm sure there was tough times you know, and, and, and you weren't, you weren't sure. I mean, how, how do you think someone and what would be good advice to know when, Hey, listen, this is just hard and you know, you need to get through this or sometimes it just doesn't work out. Whether your idea was bad, whether your execution was bad, right. Whatever with those, I mean, what's kind of that fine line in discovering as, as you're growing, as you're giving everything into it for this girl, it was three extra years. At what point do you know it's just hard and you're almost, you're going to get through it? Or at what point do you reconsider and you say, hey, maybe I need to go in a totally different, you know, direction? Yeah. Without, without being too, too like philosophical, right? Like when, when does life begin or end? What, meaning when, when, when does your career start and when does this idea? You ask, you know, again, if people ask me, when did, when did Go just start? Like it started when I was eight years old. It didn't start. So if, if, if for whatever reason, Goja wouldn't have worked out, like many of the investments I made and many of the businesses I started didn't work out, like did, did entrepreneurship end there or, or, or not? And I'm 100% sure that whatever you know, luck we've had with Goja today is a function of the things that we did wrong or I did wrong before and the businesses that didn't work out for whatever reason. And so one of the questions that I always ask people is, what do you enjoy? Like, if you were to tell me what were the tough times, you, like you mentioned the tough times, like I can't think about any of the tough times not because we didn't have them like if you really forced me to i'll sit down and i'll think about all those you know things that like you know like every october for the first 12 years of the business there was no money left in the business account why because we had to buy so much inventory preparing for the for the for the christmas season right and so so would that be a tough time when you're like oh man that's a really scary place to be you know, I look back at it, I'm like, man, those are really also fun times because you were like, you know, you were figuring it out. And so, so again, that mindset, if you go into it thinking it's going to be fun because I'm going to get to go on vacation a lot, it's different than going into it and saying, man, this is a problem to solve and solving these problems is really exciting and really fun. But does that mean that it's going to be a party? It doesn't mean it's going to be a party, you know, like, like difficulty doesn't mean bad and tough doesn't mean not fun. Difficulty and fun, you know, difficulty and tough are also the exact same parts. When I look back to say, my man, that was really fun. Like that was really, really fun. So, so it's tough. It, it's it's difficult for me to say that was a tough time. That being said, you know, I, I can absolutely understand when somebody's like, you know, down to down to no savings and 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 you're really, you know, like man, I've got to choose between a mortgage and or or, or whatever. And those are really tough times. So I I I I, I can sympathize with those. But even again, when I've invested in different businesses that didn't work out and we ended up losing the investment, um, I had created enough circumstance in my life where I said, well, look, if I lose that 5,000 bucks, it's not going to you know, ruin my life. I can afford to lose it. So if I lose it, it's part of the learning and, I, and I've, got to, I've got to be okay with even that, that loss, right? Yeah, that's great. Let me, let, let me, let me switch a little, little bit of direction here. 
uh, in the conversation and go back, you know, to a little bit of the topic about school and education and all the like, because I know you're involved and give back to your, you know, FIU a lot. I see you, uh, you know, out there trying to give that mentorship. And so I, I see, and, and I don't recall, you may have been, you know, like me or like, but when a child, when someone goes through college, right, and we talked about assets versus anchors and items like that, and they go and they finance this college and they get these student loans to get that education, right? And then they got to come out and they have to go about and, and pay off those student loans, whatever, whatever they might be, whatever those professions that they go into. I, you know, it could be seen that having that loan is kind of like this obligation, like the house, like the car you had before. And whether you've experienced it, you personally are seeing other people as they go through this education and they, and they get those loans and they have those entrepreneurial ideas. Uh, you know, just the, the thought and the value of financing an education to that degree and taking those loans and how does that potentially help out and assist someone trying to go out in, in, their, in their own business? Maybe how did that affect you personally or what have you seen or what do you mentor people like that as you're going through that? Uh, to Because there's many times there's this idea of an education at all costs and I'll figure it out later. You know, what, what have you seen in your thoughts on, you know, kind of financing an education that way to how does it potentially help your, your future entrepreneurial? Uh, what, you know, what I think of the world is coming to say is that education is, is not one thing. Right. So when you say the word education, I, I, I assume that what you're saying is a college education and a formal right. college and a formal college education. And I think what the world is coming to realize that if you look at this as skill sets and, and things you're learning that are going to further something else along, then you start to look at education differently. Right. So so if I look back at my college uh, experience, Steve, and you asked me what was the most important thing I learned. The most important thing I learned, I learned from my fraternity. And, and when you say, well, why? Well, so because I was, I was involved in the fraternity and, and I got to be the president of the fraternity. And I was a really bad president, man. I, I, to be honest and not to be overly humble, I was like a bad president. And all of the reasons why I look back and I think I was a bad fraternity president, I really try to, not, to be a good company president. Like I learned a lot of those skills there. So, so did I have to go to an expensive private school to learn that? No, I had to be involved in the school that I went to to learn that, right? And so... You know, if, if, if I think a student would look back at 18 years old or look forward at 18 years old and say, what do I want to learn? And not what do I want to learn in class, but who do I want to be when I graduate? Um, who do I want to be 10 years later? And who do I want to be 30 years later? And then I go back to how am I going to accomplish that versus what I think happens, which is I'm going to go to the best college I can, or, and it might be the most prestigious, but it might be the most expensive. Um, and that's going to solve for the next stage then, then you start getting yourself into, did I make the right investment or not? There's a book out there, and I think it's out of Stanford called Designing Your Life. But, and that's what we're talking about, right, is, is how do you teach somebody who's, who's make, about to make a decision to say, not make a decision based on tomorrow, but make a, based on a, you know, make a decision based on where you want to be and then work your way back from that. And in some cases, a student loan makes a lot of sense. In some cases, it didn't. Uh, for me, when I decided to go to FIU, which is a public school here in, uh, you know, it's a state school here in, in Miami, it was because I knew I wanted to go to a private school for a small school for for law school and i knew i was going to go out of state and i knew i wanted to live in miami and i knew and i really believed in the mission of the university and i really believed in in what was happening here in miami and so i said i want to go to the biggest school i can find 
local to where I think it's going to be. And that really was FIU. Today, FIU has 55,000 students and so forth. But, but I really designed where I wanted to be 10 years later. And I thought, okay. And, and for that, I, I was fortunate enough. I had a scholarship. And so I moved on campus thinking, okay, if I live on campus, I can be involved in more things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, so if you're somebody who, who is not under that circumstance and says, well, I've got to work through my, through my undergrad and it's going to take me six years instead of four, um, or I can do it in three years with student loans, I, w- I would really come back to say, what are the skill sets that you're trying to develop? I, I, I truly believe that if, 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 if you look at it with that design thinking and saying, what do I need to learn? And, you know, maybe working through school is really important to learn. Uh, yeah. You know, that skill set, like that internship, that grit, I mean, you see that in somebody who's worked through school, it's, it's a, you've got to have a lot of grit to work through school, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a, that's, that's an excellent point that no matter what school you go to, it's really, it's not just about what you're doing in the classroom, getting those A's or B's, whatever it might be. It's taking advantage of everything that's to be offered, you know, make those relationships, be in those, you know, in those fraternities or other student activities, because really there's a little microcosm. Like you said, I was a bad fraternity president, which made me a good president of my business. I think that's a, sure. a great point so that when people are out there thinking about their child, like what's the best fit for them, that maybe they're not that social or whatever it might be, and they're just going to be like maybe a computer science degree or something like that, then maybe all the rah-rah extracurriculars aren't that big of a, you know, of a deal. So let you know, have that real conversation uh, with, with the child or whoever it might be to see try to, you know, who they want to be and kind of frame and, and build that, uh, you know, that education around it. Yeah, really. But, 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 you know, one of the things that I would add to that is like, I always regretted I never worked at McDonald's. And, and why is because if you really look at what McDonald's is, it is just the most efficient operations machine in the world, right? Or one of the... Um, and I always thought, man, if I would have worked at McDonald's, the skill sets I would have learned at seeing how they position, I don't know, the fryer or whatever, so that like in three movements, you've made fries and a burger or whatever it is, um, that would have really helped me in my thinking in today in Goja. I wish I would have worked at Publix. Publix is, if, you, if, if, you're, if you're not from South Florida or you're not from Florida, Publix is the best supermarket out there. And, and the customer service is just through the roof. And I've always thought, man, I wish I would have worked at Publix because I would have understood the ethos of amazing customer service. And so, you know, if you're going to work during, if you're going to work during college and you say, okay, I've got to work, I've got to earn, that's a given. Well, then where do you work, right? Like you you can actually change jobs every year so that you're picking up, you're you're still earning, but you're picking up that skill set throughout, you know, the education. Whereas if you stay in, in maybe a job that you learn nothing new over four years, you will have paid for your education, but you will really miss an important time to pick up certain skill sets. And so if somebody were to have four different jobs during college, um, I would say, well, why'd you do that? And they would have said, well, because when I worked at Publix, I really wanted to understand operational efficiency. And when I worked at Pub, uh, I mean, at McDonald's, and when I worked at Publix, I really wanted to learn uh, customer service. And when I worked at Amazon, I wanted to learn data analytics or whatever. And when I worked here, this is what I wanted to learn. And I've got a college degree and maybe I had a 3.0 because I didn't have time, but I picked up all these skills. I'm like, man, that was really somebody who, who was very mindful about what they did. Um, and so, so I think, I think that is, that is a, that, that is the way to kind of design the outcome of the student. And if you've got to have loans or not, that, that's, I think, secondary to why you took on the loans. Not because you think getting a degree that costs X amount is the end result, right? Yeah, and to take that, it's like I'm experiencing this with my son right now. He's working at a restaurant, right? You've got to learn to deal with people. You've got to learn to deal with customers. 
You got to learn when yeah. someone's angry because you got their order wrong or the floor is dirty or something like that. Those lessons and those and those skills they translate to everything that you do. Sure. You know, you can't you can't be a jerk and, and be too proud and all that stuff. No, you have to work at making the customer happy because no matter whether you sell things on Amazon, you give advice for a living, whatever it is, it's all about the customer and the customer first and, and appreciating that and kind of you know humble yourself to that. And, and I think that's a a great lesson, right? And I don't know that you can you can get that maybe if you're going to your job, which is all in a computer or something, it's gotta be out there with people, physical interacting, dealing with people, dealing with freaking people, right? And that's, that could, it's, that could be very trouble, you know, trying it at times, but uh, that's awesome. So Andrew, I, I really appreciate your time here. And let me, let me ask you something that I ask, you know, everyone that, that comes on with me. And that if you could look back and you could talk to little Walter of 20, 25 years ago, right? Knowing what you know now to either warn him or encourage him or, or what it would be, what would you tell him? What, what would you have wished that you knew then that you knew now that may have been the most beneficial to you going forward? Sure. It's an interesting question. And, and once you get to a certain age, you start to be able to look back and I'm not necessarily, you know, at the end of my, my career, hopefully, but I am old enough to be able to look back and have an opinion to that. And literally the, there's only one thing uh, because even the things that didn't work out work, you know, were very valuable in learning all the failures. And, and I think, uh, you know, that's, that's pretty constant when you talk to people that have had, you know, just experience in life, you don't have to be successful to know even the bad things a lot of times turn out to be really good learning. But the one thing I would say is, I used to think that you have to wait for something to do something else. So I used to say, man, when I'm 35, I'm going to open my business. And I actually literally used to say, when I'm 35, I'm going to start my business. And now I realize that, that if I would have said when, I'm t when I was 25, I could have started the same business. And if I would have said when I'm 19, I would have done it. Today, as an Amazon aggregator, what, we, you know, what we're doing is we're literally buying companies every month we buy a different brand and a different company or more and and i'm seeing people who said well i was a, I, I just interviewed somebody who said i was a i'm a musician and i couldn't work through the daytime um because i was really tired and so i started my own amazon business she makes a million dollars a year selling bracelets on amazon um she just did it right she said i want to be a musician so i just did it and so in hindsight i wish i would have said a lot sooner you know this is what i want i want to start my own business and i'm actually going to start that business um, sooner rather than thinking I had to wait until I was a certain age to do it. So I would have just, I would have launched probably, you know, a lot of my efforts a lot sooner um, knowing that they were part of the process. That's awesome. So I really appreciate you, you. joining me today, Walter. I think that's, I appreciate uh, it. that's great advice. Yeah. Don't wait tomorrow what you can do today and right. Who needs sleep when you're young, who needs sleep? <laughs> you sleep so, when you're older. So thanks so much, Walter. Thanks, Steve. I appreciate it.